Welcome to the Life on Word podcast. I'm the host, Bailey Brown. Through this podcast, I hope you fall more in love with God's Word as it is properly understood. If you want to dig deeper into Scripture and see the big picture of God's story, you are in the right place. In these episodes, I want you to see how deep and wide Scripture is and what a joy it is to study God's Word. Life on Word exists to encourage you to build all of your life on the Word of God because it is the only worthy foundation. For more resources relating to studying the Bible, theology, and discipleship, check out baileylbrown.com. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Life on Word. Today, we're beginning to look at Matthew chapter 13, which is one of my favorite chapters. In the last couple of episodes, we walked our way through Matthew chapter 12, where Jesus faces great opposition from the Pharisees because of his work on the Sabbath and his continued ministry of healing others. It was a tense chapter that included the first record of the Pharisees plotting to kill Jesus. Now, in this episode, we will find Jesus giving his third of five major discourses. This time, he is teaching through many parables about the kingdom of heaven. Once again, this chapter will be broken into two parts so that we can really spend our time on the richness of this passage. With that, we'll get started. As always, I'll read the passage and then we will break it down. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky soil, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. 
Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The chapter begins with Mark noting the connection between the previous chapter and this one. He states, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. So remember at the end of the last chapter, we saw how Jesus had another run-in with the Pharisees, and then his family had come to find him to try to take him back home to Nazareth. Mark is telling us that the story continues here in chapter 13. Jesus had been presumably in Peter and Andrew's home, but now heads out to sit by the sea. Now, I want to set the scene for you here a little bit. When Jesus goes to sit by the sea, and that's the Sea of Galilee, crowds begin to follow him out there and gather all around him. When Jesus sees this, he rows out in a boat and sits down to begin teaching. The crowd is all along the bank, listening intently. And this may sound like a strange setup and a difficult way for Jesus to be heard by the people, but knowing a little bit about the geography around the Sea of Galilee can help. It is believed that Jesus rose out into a little cove of the lake. The land surrounding the cove consisted of steep banks that sloped down around like a horseshoe-shaped amphitheater. Because of this, there were natural acoustics that allowed Jesus' voice to carry over the water so that he could be heard by all of the people. And in modern times, scientists have even gone to areas on the Sea of Galilee to test this, and they've concluded that it is very much realistic for Jesus to have been heard from the shore, given the geography. Now, let's get into what it was that Jesus had to say to the crowd. First, it's important to notice that Matthew has placed this chapter pretty much right in the middle of his gospel. As we've talked about before, Matthew's gospel isn't always chronological, flowing from one event that happened to the next, to the next, to the next. So it's interesting and seems intentional that the parables that form this chapter give insight into all that is going on in Jesus's ministry up until this point, and yet also points to what is to come for Jesus and his followers. By this time in Jesus's ministry, the crowds have had plenty of opportunities to come to believe in Jesus. So here, Jesus now is about to test their openness to his ministry through the use of parables in his teaching. At the same time, Jesus is telling those who are open to him more about the manifestation of the kingdom of heaven. 
the coming of the kingdom of heaven isn't happening as the people anticipated. So for those willing to truly hear Jesus, he is clarifying what the kingdom is really like at this point in God's great plan. Now, let's talk a little bit about parables and how to understand them before we start moving through the text. The use of parables is a specific way for Jesus to both test the crowds and instruct the disciples. The parables have different purposes amidst the audience, depending on how open their hearts are to receiving Jesus' truth. So Jesus is using parables that draw on common life experiences and figures of speech that create interest and curiosity. These parables come from everyday experiences of his audience, so they would have easily resonated with what he was saying. Yet, the parables press the listener to notice the intended spiritual meaning. For those in the crowd that are open to Jesus' message, the parables will convey truth and understanding. But for those that are not willing to truly open themselves to Jesus' message, the truth of the parables, the deeper spiritual meaning, remains hidden. Okay, so now let's get into the first parable. Some commentators say that this is the most important of the parables because it helps the reader understand all the ones that follow. This first one is a story about a farmer that goes out to sow seed. Jesus' audience would have immediately engaged with the story because agriculture was the primary means of making a living at that time. Jesus explains how the farmer spreads the seed and it fell into many different types of soil. Now in this time, seeds were sown in what is known as broadcast style, meaning that it was just scattered in every direction as the farmer walked up and down the fields. So Jesus, at this point, gives details on the various soil types that the seed fell into. Notice how the majority of the parable is about these different soils rather than on the sower, the farmer, himself. So the emphasis here is on the contrast between good and bad soils and the growing environment that they create for the seed. We'll eventually get into the true meaning of Jesus' parable, but let's first look at the types of soil that he mentions. First, he states that some seed fell into the paths. In this time, it was customary that there were hard walking paths that surrounded the fields. Given that the farmers broadcasted their seeds as they walked through the field, it's no surprise that some fell onto the walking path. These seeds were then an easy target for birds to swoop down and eat the seed. The second soil Jesus mentions is rocky. Conditions for farming throughout Israel weren't all that great. The terrain was often uneven and rocky, which meant that there was only thin layers of soil covering the rocks. Jesus explains how the seed landed in shallow soil, causing it to germinate quickly, but then couldn't grow deep roots due to the rocks. Because the seed could not get much moisture from the earth, given its shallow roots, the seed eventually withered and died in the hot sun. Jesus next mentions the seed that was sown among the thorns. In this soil, the seed has to battle for nutrients in the soil, but is choked out due to the wild thorny bushes that rob the nutrients. The seed may live, but it definitely won't thrive and produce fruit. And then finally, Jesus tells of the seed that is sown in good soil. The seed is able to germinate and mature and then go on to produce a good yield. 
Out of the four, this is the only soil type that results in a crop. The seed sown in this type of soil yields to the maximum what it was intended to produce, with varying amounts based on its individual potential. So Jesus concludes his parable with the statement, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is telling the audience that he has a deeper meaning in mind beyond a simple farming lesson. The parable is meant to convey a theological message about the ways of God. Looking in verse 10, we see that Jesus is no longer addressing the whole crowd at this point. The disciples have come to him and ask why he is addressing the crowds in this veiled, hidden way. At this point, the disciples have ascended to the truth that God is doing something new in the land of Israel through the person of Jesus. But I imagine they're having a hard time coming to terms with the fact that the kingdom is coming wrapped in mystery rather than in a blaze of glory. They may have expected Jesus to rouse the crowds to action or to show mighty power that would give insight to his identity. Yet in this discourse, he doesn't do these things. He simply tells these parables, knowing that not all will understand his message. The parables cause the listeners to make a decision about the kingdom of God. For the ones that do not understand the deeper meaning of Jesus' words, it is because of their own hardness of heart and lack of reception to who Jesus is. Consider the crowd at this point. They all fall along this spectrum of belief in Jesus. Some have seen what he has been up to and are leaning towards becoming all-in disciples, while others are seeing his works and are considering following the Pharisees and opposing Jesus. Yet Jesus has already made it clear that there is no middle ground. The parables force the crowd to decide. If their hearts are open to Jesus, they will understand his message. If not, their hearts will be further hardened. Consider how these parables are told right after the increasing rejection and opposition that Jesus experienced in the previous chapter. Jesus is not forcing anyone to accept the message of the kingdom. Therefore, the crowd's response to the parables flows out of the nature of their hearts. Jesus responds to the disciples by stating, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven but to them it has not been given. From the beginning, Jesus has been declaring that the kingdom of heaven has arrived. And though many have not understood, Jesus ensures here that the disciples understand that the kingdom actually is here now, but not in its fully manifested power. It was a well-known prophetic hope for the Jewish people that God would establish his kingdom among them. So this by itself is not the mystery. The mystery is that it has arrived through Jesus in a different form than the people were expecting. The parables in this chapter show the disciples how the kingdom of heaven will operate during this time period before it is ushered in to the fullest in the future. Jesus then quotes Isaiah 6, 9, and 10, comparing those in the crowd that do not understand to the contemporaries of Isaiah. The passage states, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. As you know, Israel had a long history of unbelief and rejection of God's message and prophets. So, really, it's no surprise that the crowd is now hardened to Jesus' message. The disbelief that the people struggled with in the time of Isaiah is basically the same disbelief that they have in the time of Jesus. 
Wrapping up his conversation with the disciples, Jesus states that many prophets and righteous people long to see what they are getting to witness firsthand. And he's referring to the Old Testament prophets and righteous people who faithfully looked forward to when God was going to act. Jesus is now able to explain the parable of the soils and go on to give them more insight into the kingdom through parables just for them. Though the disciples do not have a perfect understanding of Jesus, they do have the desire and the potential to understand. And ultimately, they will come to understand because of their obedience and listening, truly listening, to Jesus. We've now made it to verse 18, where Jesus begins to explain to the disciples what he meant in the parable of the sower and the soils. Jesus is himself the farmer that has gone out to sow seeds, with the seeds being the proclamation of the kingdom arriving through him. Jesus is sowing seeds in the hearts of the people of Israel. Yet the types of soil, or the reaction of the people to Jesus' message, varies. The first type of people are like the seed that falls on the walking path and is eaten by birds. Their hearts are hardened to the point that they don't allow Jesus' message to enter their minds. Thus, they're unable to understand the truth of Jesus' ministry and mission. The second type of people, the ones compared to the rocky soil, are those who initially receive the gospel with joy, but for whatever reason, it doesn't take root. They may think that Jesus has a good message, but they're not willing to give all of their allegiance to Jesus. Their roots are shallow, so when they face troubles and persecution, they, they fall away. The third group of people are like the soil filled with thorns. They receive Jesus' message, but it has competition with worldly things. Jesus' message does not actually transform the person because they have competing priorities such as the worries of this life and acquiring wealth. This points to a person that has not yet placed the arrival of the kingdom above all else. Instead, they still try to manage their own life. As worldly troubles arise, the life is choked out of the seed. The person is unable to produce fruit because they have not fully depended on Jesus. It seems that bearing fruit is necessary in the life of disciples. And while the fruit isn't explicitly identified, it's safe to interpret this as referring to the transformation one experiences after they've truly encountered the kingdom of heaven. A person who has experienced Jesus will produce outward evidence that shows the reality of the inner kingdom life within them. Finally, Jesus concludes that the good soil is like those who hear Jesus' message and understand it. They go on, as a result, to bear much fruit, yielding to the maximum what they have been created to produce. Okay, this is a good stopping point before we get into Jesus' other parables. So now we'll wrap up and look at some applications from what we've covered so far. While Jesus gave the parable of the sower and the soils in his immediate context, where so many had witnessed firsthand his ministry but did not believe, this parable is still really relevant to us today. The key to the parable is that only the soil that allowed the seed to bear fruit was considered good. Only the ones who receive Jesus' message and are transformed by it are in the kingdom. Now, let me, let me make this clear. I don't mean that we should begin judging others and trying to quantify the fruits that they exhibit. 
The fruits of one's transformation may not immediately show up in tangible ways that outsiders can see. So my point is not about looking for the fruit in others, but rather looking critically at ourselves. According to the flow of this chapter, a person bears fruit by not only hearing Jesus' message, but also understanding it. And this takes a conscious effort. It's not enough to assent to Jesus being the forgiver of your sins, and then passively let your faith take the back seat for the rest of your life. We must take proper care that the gospel message takes deep root within us, so that whatever we face, we know that we've built our lives on the steady foundation that isn't going anywhere. Now, I I think we need to get really practical about this in our own lives. What are things that you can do to ensure that Jesus' message has grown deep roots within you? Maybe this means recommitting to sharing your life with a body of believers. Or maybe it means becoming serious about learning what God's Word says, rather than quickly glancing at the Bible from time to time and then moving on. Or maybe it means that you remove some things or people from your life that are hindering you from growing closer to God. Whatever the case, I want you to see that the message of Jesus is the most important thing you can think about, talk about, and act on. Life in the kingdom is not passive. Instead, you're invited to a life in the kingdom that is action-oriented, and it's a life that leads to your deepest fulfillment. Today we started making our way through Matthew chapter 13. We read about Jesus' famous parable of the sower and the seeds, along with his explanation to his disciples for why he is teaching in parables. In the next episode, we will listen to the rest of Jesus' parables that continue to give us more insight into what the kingdom of heaven is all about. This is such a great chapter that seems to sum up Jesus' overarching message in a creative way. Yet, there's also this somber tone to it that not everyone in the crowd will come to an understanding of Jesus' teachings due to their hardened hearts. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. For more Bible study resources and show notes, go to baileylbrown.com.